0: Today we are going to look at this theme of faith, and there's no better way than to begin by rereading, I believe, the first three verses of, of our scripture for this morning. It is some of the most beautiful and elegant writing of scripture that you will encounter. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot yet see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Faith is one of those difficult-to-describe words of our Christian experience. And so the writer and the preacher who's giving us this letter to the Hebrews is showing us a definition by illustrating it with these famous biblical heroes who have come through throughout the history of Israel they are important names that the congregation would recognize and remember in my first call as a pastor I was uh, called to a church in west central Minnesota Vingy Lutheran Church Vingy is a name place from Norway it was a church started by Norwegian settlers back in the 1860s, I believe. And um, this church, <clears throat> uh, Vinji, which is named after that name place from Norway, um, had its fourth sanctuary when I served it. It had gone through three building campaigns and now was in their fourth sanctuary. The fourth sanctuary was very unique, and it, it is unique to this day. It stands today. And it's built in the round, it's completely uh, circular in its formation. And in this sanctuary, in this round sanctuary, without corners, you have this piece of art. And the art is a wooden frieze that goes around the about halfway up uh, inside the sanctuary. The sanctuary is probably 30 to 40 feet in height. And so all the way around the sanctuary is, um, is this frieze, this wooden frieze. And on the top part of the frieze is engraved the scripture from Hebrews 12, verse 1, which begins with these words, which are important for us to hear today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And then below that, there's another wooden frieze, and on that frieze is written the names of the saints that pretty much align with chapter 11. begins with, um, with Cain and Enoch and Noah. Uh, I'm sorry, with Abel and Enoch and Noah. And uh, then it continues on um, through the patriarchs like Abraham, Joshua, Caleb. Um, so some are added, some are removed. Um, you get about two-thirds of the way through, and you get some women's names. We don't want to forget the women. And um, it's kind of the, the the thought that comes through your mind when, when you see that freeze. Now, it was built in the 1960s, so it was a different era. Um, and then you have, at the very end, some names of contemporary saints and witnesses. And uh, a couple, for instance, would be... Um, like uh, Ordas and Berdayev. These were famous uh, Lutheran theologians um, who helped form um, some of the post-World War II um, pan-Lutheran, worldwide Lutheran organizations. So in this frieze, or in the sanctuary, upon these friezes you have Hebrews 12 and then all the names of chapter 11. And then some. And every All Saints Sunday, we would recite that scripture verse together. We'd all turn around, recite the verse, and then we would all recite the names upon the frieze, so we'd turn around again. And at the very end of the frieze, there were two slates that were open. The first one was an opening for you to place the name of a saint in your own life, someone who had impressed upon you the importance of the Christian faith who was your, perhaps your teacher, uh, Christian mentor. And then the very last one was for you to place your name. And so we would read all these names, we'd name someone, and we'd read our name. Faith is an important word, an important concept, but it can become a little confusing. And so the... The preacher is trying to help us to understand this faith. He begins by telling us that faith is an inward confidence. It is something that that wells up within us, that we have this confidence in God, in the promises of God, and that in that confidence, we can trust even in the midst of the worst kinds of experiences and suffering that we might be going through. For example, one of the stories that's brought up in our reading for today is about the widow of Zarephath, one of the women who looked towards the resurrection. And in this particular story, um, they have been experiencing a drought. Uh, This is in 1 Kings. and, And Elijah has come, and he has asked this woman for a loaf of bread, for something to eat. And her response to him is all I have is this little drop of oil in the jar and a little flour and I'm going to make my last loaf of bread because they are experiencing this, this uh, terrible famine. I'm going to make this last loaf of bread and I'm going to eat it and share it with my son and then we're going to lay down and die. Elijah asks her, to have faith in God. In essence, what he's saying is first make me a loaf of bread and then there will be enough for you and your son. This woman who has experienced famine and drought and assured death trusts in the words of the prophet who speaks on behalf of God. She makes him that last loaf and she gives it to him and he eats it. And she goes back to her jar, and there's oil in her jar. And then she goes to the flour bin, and there's flour in the bin. And so she has enough to make a loaf for she and her son. And the oil and the flour never run out. You see, the promise is that by trusting in God, she'll be sustained, even through a famine and through a drought. And so in spite of her fears, this woman pulls together an inward confidence, a confidence in Elijah's words, believing that those words come from God. The preacher to the Hebrews says that faith is not only an inward confidence, but it is also a conviction of things not yet seen. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's um, a powerful verse that reminds us of this. In verses 6 and 7, So we are always confident, even though we know God as long as we live in, this, um, in these bodies, Um, We are not home with the Lord. So when we're on earth here, he's saying we know that we're not home with the Lord. Yet we are always confident. For we live by believing and not by seeing. For we live by being and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. That is the inward confidence and the outward faithfulness That the preacher of the Hebrews is talking about what he is saying is what are you focused on what are you preoccupied with are you preoccupied with the issues of the world today are you living in angst and despair because of whatever you see on the news each night or are you looking to Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith who will be with you even through all of these terrible things. You see, what the world sees is suffering. What the world sees is injustice and oppression. What the world sees is death. Lots of death. But we who have faith We look at the same things but what we see cannot be seen with the naked eye. We see promises from God. We see hope in the midst of despair. We see confidence and courage instead of fear and anxiety. The preacher first launches into this definition. And then he takes us into a biblical history of some of faith's most mightiest heroes. He begins with those heroes who were righteous by faith. Abel, whose sacrifice was acceptable to God. You remember, Abel was the shepherd, Cain was the farmer. They both tilled the land and cared for the livestock. They took their sacrifices and Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. Cain's was not. What that tells us is that one of them did, it's not about who did right and who did wrong. What it is saying is that God saw that Abel was righteous because he was faithful. And Cain was not faithful. And so God did not see him as righteous and did not want to accept His offering, because his offering would be corrupt. It's like, here, God, I'm trying to buy your love. And so God rejects that offering. But he accepts Abel's. And Cain, who still doesn't get it, is so angry that he kills his brother, Abel. Then we go to the story of Enoch. And it says that God found Enoch so pleasing. And so Enoch never experiences death. He is taken up into heaven without ever dying. And then there's the story of Noah. Noah, who heard God tell him to build an ark. There is no rain. It's like believing that there is going to be a storm that's going to flood the whole valley. I mean, even those of us at 800 feet where we stand right now above sea level that the waters will be way over us. The waters are going to be 2,000 feet all the way around the valley here. The whole metro area is going to be submerged and flooded. And so a small family begins to build an ark. I mean, that's the story of Noah. In a land where no one expected that there could ever be a flood, he builds an ark. And just in time, because there is a flood. These are the righteous heroes of faithfulness. God declared them righteous because of their faith. Then he goes on to tell us about the journey of faithfulness by some of the earliest Hebrews. And it's highlighted in the stories of Abraham and some of his descendants. Abraham and Sarah were called away from their land to a new land. The only problem is that God didn't tell them where it was going to be. And so they were called to step out in faith and to journey in faithfulness, to journey to who knows where, because only God knows, and that God would show them where that place is. In verse 8 of our reading today, We are reminded of that. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. The journey required a deep trust as they left their homeland, as they left their family and their friends. They were completely dependent upon God for their future. Not just partially dependent, completely dependent. Every morning, I suppose, they would wake up and they'd pray to God, their morning devotions, and then, God, where do we go today? And then they would follow. Sarah believed that God would keep his promise to her. God had promised her a child. She had been barren into her late years of age. And in verses 11 and 12, we're reminded about her faithfulness. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There's no way to count them. Abraham and Sarah were given this promise of a new land and of many descendants. But these are promises unfulfilled. When you think about it, they ended up in Haran, which is not the promised land. It was a temporary land. Then from Haran, they end up in Egypt for 400 years before they go into the wilderness for 40 years. And it's only until after that, many generations later, that they finally get to enter the land that God had promised them. Yet they never lost hope in God. Though they did not see the fulfillment of these promises, they did not lose their hope in God. It was not their destination, but it was their faithfulness. They were looking ahead to where God was leading them. In verses 15 and 16, if they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them, a heavenly city, a heavenly nation, a a heavenly land, God has promised this place for them. And so they lived by faith. And it wasn't just them. Even though they didn't receive the multitude of sons, they only received one son, Isaac, they didn't see the number of descendants that would come after them that would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so it goes with Isaac, their son, and Jacob, their grandson, and Joseph, their great-grandson. These patriarchs, too, did not lose hope in the promises of God. Joseph ends up in prison, placed there, in essence, by his own brothers. And he lives in that prison for many years, suffering for something he did not do. And yet he never lost hope. He never gave up hope. So the journey of faithfulness is the second layer, after those who are righteous by faithfulness. Then the preacher takes the congregation of the Hebrews to those who were tested in faith by suffering. And so he goes back to Abraham and his testing with his son Isaac. God told Abraham to take his son, his and Sarah's only son, and to go up to the land of Moriah. And there God would direct him to a mountain upon which to sacrifice to the Lord. And he was told to sacrifice his son Isaac. So as he takes Isaac into the land of Moriah, Isaac asks his father, Father, we have the fire and we have the wood, but we have no sheep. Where will we get the sheep? And Abraham, by faith, says, God will provide the sheep. Abraham was put to the test. But he brought along with him the gift of faith on this journey. Moses' parents, after Abraham, the the preacher, takes us to Moses, and he tells us that Moses' parents were faithful, that they did not fear the king's orders that they did not fear that. In verse 23, it says, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him, the little baby Moses, for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, a special child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. They exercised their faith boldly, like they were called to do even under the threat of the Pharaoh. Eventually Moses grows up, becomes an adult, and Moses was given a choice to be a follower of God, a man of faith, or to not be a man of faith. He is given the choice to live a royal and um, pampered life as an Egyptian royalty, or to be the child of the suffering family of god israelites interesting distinction here you can either be the royal pampered kid or you can be the one who enters into suffering think about that friends that is what the preacher is reminding us that is our calling that is who we are as christians we're not the ones who choose the pampered life we're not the ones who choose the royalty We are the ones who face the fires of testing and suffering for the sake of God and Jesus Christ. So Moses chose his true identity, his true Hebrew identity, placing himself in faith and in trust to God, not to Pharaoh, but to God. Instead of a life of privilege, he took on a life of suffering and hardship And he was willing to do this, to suffer, because he was looking for the great reward that would come from God. In verses 24 through 26, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of egypt for he was looking ahead to his great reward friends what are you looking forward to are you looking ahead to your great reward the preacher's congregation of hebrews is facing the same questions that confront moses and abraham in the midst of their suffering Will they remain steadfast in their Christian identity when they face constant testing and suffering? The same could be asked of us today. Will we keep our faithfulness? Will we continue to look to our Heavenly Father for hope, for promises? Will we look to Jesus Christ for our identity? Or will we give up on hope and turn to despair? You see, we too are on a journey. And the journey is not complete for us. And so we look to the promises of God and Jesus Christ. We may ask these questions. When will this virus ever end? We've been hearing about its ending since Easter of 2020. When will our economy get back on track, or will it ever? How will we survive this incivility that we are experiencing as a nation? And how will the poorest of the poor around the world ever get a vaccine? The questions about suffering are endless. But instead of looking to the current crisis on cable news, let's look to God. Let's look to God to keep our faith there. The preacher gives us a host of witnesses to look to for hope. Moses left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger. He took the Israelites with him, even though the Egyptian soldiers chased after them. Moses kept the Passover because he had faith in God's promises. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea and were delivered from the Egyptians. By faith, the people sacrificed the lamb and put the blood on their doorposts. And that faithful act saved every firstborn child from dying. You see, Moses was looking towards the promises of God which would give them deliverance and salvation. Even though he did not get to see the completion of it, what we are beginning to hear from the preacher is that we get to see the completion of it. The completion of these acts are in Jesus Christ. By faith, the people suffered and death experienced death because Moses kept them focused on faith. Joshua blew the trumpets and by faithfulness the people followed. And as they walked around the walls of Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. In the midst of suffering and death, We are called to be faithful. Rahab, a Gentile prostitute, did an unbelievable thing. She protected the Hebrew spies from the soldiers that were looking for them. She took a great risk of losing her own life to protect these foreign spies. She hid them in her home. Gideon defeated the Midianites, and this was an act of faith, like Rahab's acts of faith. Gideon had 32,000 soldiers all ready to attack, and God said, You have too many. Find out who is afraid and send those soldiers home. And so Gideon sent 10,000 of the 32,000 soldiers home. Then God told Gideon, as he prepared for battle, you still have too many soldiers. Take your soldiers, all of them, down to the river and distinguish the ones who kneel down and drink properly from the ones who lap up the water like dogs. And so Gideon separated them and he kept the ones who lapped up the water like dogs separate from the others. There were 300 of those who lapped up the water like dogs. 300. And God said, That is your army. Take those into battle. The enemy has thousands of soldiers, and God has told Gideon to take 300. It is by faith that he takes the 300. Just as the widow of Zarephath... Was ready to eat her last meal. She has faith in the words of the prophet. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of these promises. And what we learn from Jesus' story is that faith does not pretend that there is no crisis. Faith doesn't say that there isn't any oppression anymore in the world. Faith doesn't say that there is no injustice. Faith doesn't say that there is no disease, there is no death. Faith sees God. Faith sees God, not these other things. And what they see in God is the God who has come to destroy oppression, who has come to destroy injustice to make it right, who has come to destroy illness and death so that death can no longer have that last sting. Faith does not pretend that there is no crisis. But faith sees a God who promises to bring an end to these crises And the reason that we maintain hope through faith is because God has provided something better. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus provided us with a better hope and a better covenant, the new covenant. Jesus' sacrifice is better. When he takes the sins of the people, he takes them all, and they are gone forever. Your sins are gone. He is better. His sacrifice is better. And he allows us to possess an inheritance from God that is better. As the preacher concludes in this chapter, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You see, we stand at the precipice of the church door. We will walk either into the eternal sanctuary with faith or we will not. The choice is ours. But what we are told is that that beautiful history of biblical heroes is incomplete if it does not contain you. So you are invited, you are called to walk through the door to this heavenly sanctuary where the brokenness of this world becomes complete and God's promises are fulfilled. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, next week we will continue with this theme, looking at it in the context of the challenge of our discipleship. And so next week, I'm going to tell you why I am still a Minnesota Vikings fan. I hope you'll join me. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your gifts. Your gifts and your promises that surround us. As you have called us, Lord, help us to have faith, to beckon within, to, to reckon within us a deep trust, a faithfulness in you and in your promises to hold on to that anchor of hope amidst all the craziness. Keep our eyes focused on you, O oh Lord Jesus. You, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Amen.